Find your next fall adventure in Fairfax County at the National Museum of United States Army. Take a turn on the tank simulator. Feel your seat rumble in their 300-degree theater. Then step outside to enjoy the fall colors from their outdoor dining area and rooftop Medal of Honor garden. Discover your fall adventure at the National Army Museum. Open seven days a week. Free admission and parking right off I-95. Get free tickets at usarmymuseum.org. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. Today's uh, series, is, I'm concluding today's series called Hostage. Uh, we've been on this journey. I could go on this series. This series has been one of those that I've thoroughly enjoyed. I hope you have too. Been a lot of stingers, a lot of whammies in there, a lot of opportunity for God to speak and make change happen. Um, there's so many other things I could have covered about where we're held hostage at. Remember, our theme verse has been John chapter 10, verse 10, where it says that the enemy, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and what? And destroy or hold us hostage. But Jesus came to bring life and bring it to the fullest. That the enemy's goal in life is to find things to hold you hostage, to take away your freedom in Christ so that you never really get to experience the fullness that Jesus wants for each one of us. And I hate to say this, but sadly, most Christians are Christ. They love Jesus and they've surrendered life to Christ, but they spend most of their life held hostage to so many things that we've already talked about. And there's so many more that I didn't get to cover just because of time restraints and things like that. But the first week, remember, the first hostage thing, the thing that I, I challenged you with first was the, the thing being held hostage to bitterness. And I talked about what scripture says. It says, don't let a root, don't let a bitter root grow inside of you because it'll produce poison and toxicities that will affect your life. And I encourage you, look around in your life. Who are the people, all of us have been hurt. If you've been hurt in this room, you're in good company. We've all been hurt. We've all been betrayed. We've all been talked about. We've all been lied about. We've all been gossiped about. Every one of us are in the same boat here. All of us have been wrong at some time in our life. And if we're not careful that that seed of bitterness grows inside of our heart and produces toxicity that spreads into so many relationships, and it'll, it'll reveal itself in ways that you didn't never think it would. It'll, it'll be a very silent spreader of toxicity. And so I encourage you the first week to forgive. That Jesus said, just as I have forgiven, you must forgive. Regardless if that person ever asks you for forgiveness, or ever comes to you and make amends, it does not matter. You must learn to release it back to God and ask God to help you forgive anyone that's said or done things that have been wrong to you, okay? That's first week. Second week, I talked about worry and anxiety, being held hostage to worry and anxiety. And many of you in this place, you know the struggle with anxiety, you know the struggle with worry. And I encourage you uh, to do a couple things. I encourage you to do what you can do, give God what you cannot do, and trust God with the rest of your life, and trust God with the other things, and you'll find that even though you may be a prone worrier, You'll learn to trust God more and more and more and release it more and more to him. Third week, I'm just going through quickly through these hostages. If you missed them, you can go back online and watch anyone. The third week, I talked about the ugly hidden monster of anger. And anger is something that will destroy your life. It'll destroy the people's lives around you if you're not careful. Anger masks itself as hurt. 
they hurt my feelings. But really, you're angry because you felt like there's been an injustice that took place. And my encouragement to you during your anger was this. You had to continually take that anger to God over and over and over and over again. There's not a quick fix when it comes to anger. It's not a quick fix when you're dealing with anger. It is a monster that will always try to consume your life if you're not careful. So you must always take it to God. Uh, the fourth week, I talked about the pride and how we are held hostage to pride. Uh, proud of things that we've done well. Proud of maybe successes that others have had and we feel a part of that. Um, it's not that pride is all bad. It's just that pride, when you, you think it's about you, it's gone to the wrong place. We have to remember that everything we have, the good and the gifts, the good things we have in life, the things that have, we've been blessed with, the talents and abilities that we have, come from God. And if we understand that, then we'll never be proud of who, we'll never grow in pride or arrogance because we understand the giver of all good gifts, Right? Last week was one that I know oh, I hit some of you out of left field because you never thought you would hear a message about procrastination in church. But I preached last week about the being held hostage to procrastination. Um, and I tell you what, every one of these, as I, I've heard talk to people, I've had people just say, wow, that really got to me. That really spoke to me. And listen, it is, not, it is not me. It is the Holy Spirit saying, because I never would have preached a message about procrastination in my, I never thought I would, and here it was. Because I felt like it was something that, we all struggle with at some point. We struggle with putting things off that we could do right now or running late to things or using my thing in my time is more valuable than other time. And so we find ourselves always struggling with procrastination. My encouragement was plan ahead, put a schedule together. If you're always 15 minutes late, add 30 minutes to your schedule, but don't know that you add 30 minutes and don't deduct 30 minutes from the front part of your schedule. Actually use the 30 minutes to get ready and get early and get someplace, okay? Uh, so that's, that was last week. Today is probably one that... I think is going to be another kind of zinger to all of us because we all struggle with this. I'm talking today about being held hostage to money. Now, I know immediately when I said that, oh, here goes the preacher preaching about money. Yeah, coffers must be empty. They must be struggling. Let me just say from the very, very beginning of this message, this message has nothing to do, has nothing to do with about um, what we need as a church. It's not a, from, I've never preached money about from a self. When I preach about money, I preach from a place where I've had my own struggles with money. I've had my own battles with my philosophy or my, uh, my hostage to money. And so when I preach this, I'm preaching from a place where I hope you can open up your hearts to hear that all of us at some level are hostage to money. And we're hostage to money because it takes money to make life work, halo, right? It takes money to be functioning in life. But do you realize, some of you out here are saying, I don't have much money. I don't make much money. College students don't make much money, ramen noodle kind of budget. I understand that. But do you realize statistically, if you make $30,000 a year, household income, $30,000 a year, you're in the top 4% of all wage earners in the world. 30,000. To, to you, I know some of you are looking at me like, that's nothing. How does anybody live on $30,000? But you're in the top 4% of the world's population of wage earners. Do you realize if you make $45,000, just $15,000 more, that you are in the top 1% of the world in income? 45. Here's why. Here, let me just preach to you from, from 
an American mindset. Because we have more money in America, right? You may not have it in your, your account, but America's a very wealthy and blessed country. Hello? Right? I don't see anybody in here with rugged rags on. I don't see anybody in here that, that looks like you just, you know, you just came and you just found clothes in a trash can. Somebody, you guys, I don't smell you. I'm not close enough, but I don't see anybody holding their nose together around you. It sounds like you got, you know, you got some things, you got some good things going for you. We all look like we're eating all right. Some more than others. We're doing okay. We're not in poverty. We've been blessed. We've been given a lot. But this is why this message is so vitally important. Because the fact is, money is the number one competitor of your heart. Money's the number one competitor against God. Money, if we're not careful, money becomes our goal and not God our goal. We can be deceived. The, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The fact is, every single one of us in here have been given something in the form of money, but the question is, what or how are we being held hostage to money. Well, let me just tell you this. Money is a liar. Money lies to you. It's deceitful. Money will give you lots of promises, and money will promise you a man mansion on the hill, and money will promise you a nice car, and money will promise you all these clothing, and money will make all these promises, good health and long life, and it all lies. There's nobody who has money that can add a single day to their life. Money's deceitful. And see, Satan wants you to serve and be hostage to money. Satan wants you to work for it. Satan wants you to acquire it. Satan wants you to hold on to it. And Satan wants you to love money. Money, 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 money. There you go, there you go. <laughs> Money is deceitful. I have here one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten one hundred dollar bills. Anybody want ten one hundred dollar bills? You're money hungry, you're deceitful. You've been deceived. You fell from my ploy. Money, the number one competitor of your heart. And if you're not careful, this will cause more heartache in your life than peace every single day. People who love and trust this, let me give you some notes here. People who love and trust money are held hostage to it. Number one, they never have enough. There's never enough money in their account. There's never enough money in their retirement. There's never enough money in their pocket. There's never enough money anywhere because they never have enough. People who love and trust money are held hostage to money. Number two, have money in the bank but no peace in their hearts. Why? Because they put their trust in their stack and not in Christ. Number three, third one is this, people who are hostage to money. Number three, find it increasingly difficult to give big. Find it increasingly difficult 
to give big. Tyler and Lily, my, my, my kids, my son and my daughter, whenever we were growing up, we didn't have a whole lot of money. So when we were able to go out to a restaurant and eat, typically McDonald's because they had cheap kids' meals. But because I'm Ke Pastor Kevin, I made them share. And I remember that we would uh, give them the fries. And Lily, of course, was the first one to take the fries. If you know anything about Lily, you know why. She was like, my fries. And she would start eating the fries. And I would say, Lily, share with your brother. And she would say, my fries, get your own fries. And I would have to take the fries back or Michelle, and we would have to divvy up the fries minus or plus the fries that she already ate, add to Tyler's, and we would have to redistribute the fries. And here's why I tell that story. What Lily forgot was she forgot that I was her fry provider. <laughs> she forgot that I was the one who gave her the fries, and I'm the one that determined where the fries went. She forgot that she did not own the fries. The fries were merely distributed to her, and she was then asked to distribute them, in which she didn't, and I had to take them back and redistribute. See, understand this, that people who love and trust money, they never have enough. They have money in the bank with no peace in their hearts, and they find it increasingly difficult to give big. Now, just by a show of hands, just be honest with me today. Just participate. It's a lot more fun if you do. Listen, how many of you here would love to have a below average income? You want a below average income. You just want to barely eke by. Nobody? Oh. Okay. How many want debt up to your eyeballs? You love debt. It's your best friend. Give me more debt. I want more debt. Anybody? No? How many want debt collectors calling you every single day and tracing you down and hunting down and you try to block them and they find a way around? Anybody want debt collectors calling Man, nobody's participating with me today. How many of you would like to have just a, uh, a shack of a house, one room, toilet in the room with you? That's the way you want to live. That's my kind of tiny house right there. Anybody? Isn't it interesting? Not a single one of you raised your hands. Not a single one of you said, that's what I want. But it's interesting to me that... We don't want that, but yet many of us in a culture at large find themselves in that exact place. How is it the thing that we don't want we actually become? Why is it that all of a sudden we have money and then we don't, and then we try to find out ways to get more money, so what do we do? We take out a loan. We take out credit cards. And we say, oh, I'm going to be good with the credit cards. And so we're good with the credit cards for the first day. We pay off the first day or the first month, and then it gets overwhelming, and we find ourselves in debt up to our eyeballs. Understand this, that many of us today have fallen for the lie. The lie is more stuff makes me happier. A bigger house will make me happier. A faster car will make me happier. Do you realize that in America, on average America, we are the wealthiest nation on the planet? And do you realize 
that on average, statistics say that Americans only give an average of 3% of their income to charitable or nonprofit organizations. And do you realize that people who actually make less, $10,000 or less, actually give 6%? So the people who have less actually give more. I've been to third world countries. I've been to places where poverty is great. We built a house in Belize for a family of 12 or 13 or 14, something. It was, it was massive. Now listen, you're saying, well, that's got to be a huge house. Let me tell you, something. it was a shed. But it was an upgrade from what they had. They had a house that was a hut with grass on top, and we actually bought them a house. We painted the house. We built. We put in this shed. And when I say a shed, guys, I'm telling you, I'll try to give you an idea. I would say it would be from that right here, that wall coming up, to about right here in that area. That, that region right there, that's all there was for the whole family to live. 14 people. And when they moved in, they thought they had hit the jackpot in their mansion. The boys had to dig a hole in the backyard for their outhouse. We are truly blessed. Now listen, some of you here today, you're, 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 a, you're a giver, but just to different things. You like to give your money to Kohl's. You like to give your money to Walmart. You're above average in that, actually. In fact, some of you say shopping is a spiritual gift. <laughs> Do it very well. Above average givers in shopping. Above average shoppers, you're above average givers to Starbucks or scooters now that's in town or Java River or, or what's the other place? There you go. I don't want to miss anybody. You're above average givers to your coffees and your frappes and your lattes and your frou-frou, mumbo-jumbo stuff. You're good at it. You give it all away. Here's the question I want you to ask yourself today. Why did God give you money? Why has God enabled you to some way, some form, get money? Why did God provide for you a place or a resource to make money? Why did God make you rich? Because you say, well, I'm not rich. Well, according to the statistics, if you make $30,000, you're 4% of the highest wealthiest. You are rich. I don't feel rich. You know why you don't feel rich? Because you're consuming everything for yourself. So why did God make us and give us money? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, here's your scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 9, verse 11 says, you will be made rich or you'll be given money so that you may be generous in every occasion. That through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Why does God give us money? God gives us money because he wants to pass it through us. Let us enjoy. Listen, you get to enjoy it. I'm telling you, you get to enjoy the money. You get to savor. You get to have things. You get to go on nice vacations. You get to have clothes. I'm not telling you you had that stuff, you're bad. God wants you to enjoy it, but God doesn't want you to consume it all for yourself because he wants to take the fries and say, here's your fries. Now give it to somebody else because he provided the fries, the money in our life. 
See, God has blessed you with more money than you're ever gonna need. You're rich, but you can't trust in that money. You have to trust in God. And you, because you trust him, you're gonna give more and more back for what God wants to do. I want you to understand this today, and this is just true. I'm selfish. Don't shake your head at me. I, I know I am. But you're selfish. Turn, say, say it, I'm selfish. Say, tell yourself, I'm selfish. First part of healing is a mission. I'm selfish. I make money to think it's for me. And while yet God wants me to enjoy it, I have to understand that he provides me resources because there is something greater he might want used to use you to do. You think when I get a raise, yes, I got a raise, I can buy this or I can invest in that. Whenever the stimulus checks hit your banks, jackpot free money. Yeah. Some of you had it spent before it ever hit your bank. Why? Because my money, my fries, so I get to keep it. Understand this. God wants to challenge us today to do well with the fries of the money he's given us. So how can we learn to give? How can we learn to be generous? How can we learn to do what scripture says? Why did he give us money? He gave us money so we can practice generosity to those around us. So how can we learn how to give more? Number one, you must be an intentional giver. You must be an intentional giver. You must intend and plan it and budget it and make it happen. Be an intentional giver. Intentionality brings success. I said this last week. If you make no plans, you plan to fail. We must make plans and be intentional about the resources of the money that God's given us and how we can do more and plan more and scheme to give away. But that's not an American mindset. It's not a culturally current mindset. In fact, our culture today is about consuming. We're consumers. We consume food. We consume money. Or, I'm sorry. We consume uh, electricity. We consume heat. We consume uh, the, the resources, clothing. We consume cars. We consume everything around us. It's about consuming. We're not a contributing, giving society at large. Now, some of you in here are great givers. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't, hey, if you are, you're, you don't even check out. But I don't believe all of us have arrived yet. I don't believe all of us are there yet. People scheme to consume. God wants us to scheme to give. God wants us to figure out how to give. Here's why I say that. You know why I say that? You want to know why I believe God wants you to give? Because God said, let us make man in his own image, according to Genesis. And in the image of God, God created the gift and the grace of giving. You say, what do you mean? Well, fast forward to John 3.16. Whoop, whoop. You all can say it with me. For God so what? What did he do? He gave. He gave his one and only son. So if I'm created in the image of God, 
I have been given the DNA of giving. It's in my nature. It's how he created me. God gave his only son, and what did Jesus do? He gave his one and only life so that we could have eternal life through the brutality of the cross. Humanity gave hatred to Jesus. Humanity gave, gave ridicule, mockery. But even when humanity gave its worst, Jesus gave his best. So how can I say that we must be givers because it's in our DNA to be a giving of what we've been blessed to have? We're going to be intentional in giving. Here's what 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says. It says each person, each man or woman should give what they have decided in their heart, not under reluctancy, not under compulsion, because why? God loves a cheerful giver. I'm here to tell you right now, if every time you write out a check to generosity or to giving or to benevolence or to help someone out, if you do it reluctantly, stop giving. You're not giving in the right heart anyway. You got to give where there is no reluctance and no compulsion. You'll never hear me say from this pulpit ever, if you give, then I know you're going to get this back because that's compulsion. If you give me $1,000, even though you're $10,000 in debt, you're going to have your debt paid off next month. That would be totally inappropriate for me to say. Because the fact is, you can give $1,000, and now you're just $11,000 in debt. You don't give. You plan to give. You have to be intentional about how you give, and you return back to God. So I want to give you two thoughts today. Two thoughts for how we can be intentional about giving and how we can be set free from being held hostage to money. Here's the first one I want, to have, I want to talk with you guys about. First thing we need to do is we need to return to God what belongs to God. Return to God what belongs to God. What is that? That's the tithe. It's a big churchy word. I'm going to break it down for you. It's 10%. Tithe means 10%. Here's what Leviticus says. Leviticus says, 27 verse 30, the tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or from the, from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is what? Say it with me. It is, holy. what is it? It is, holy. it is holy to the Lord. That word holy means it is set apart. It is not to be used by anything else but for God. Ten. $100 bills, I can take all 10, and I can pocket it, and I can spend all 10. But I have just used this part that belongs to God, that was holy to him, dedicated to him, committed to him. Therefore, I have told God, God, listen, I realize it's holy, but I'm going to use it because what I got and what I need is more important than what you have set apart. Now, some of you, this is, this is like the first time you're hearing this taught this way, but this is biblical. You say, well, that's Old Testament. No, and I'll tell you what, anybody who argues Old Testament versus New Testament, me, here's what I tell them. You're right, that is Old Testament. You know what New Testament says? New Testament says, give it all. Which one you want to go with? Huh? argue with me about that. <laughs> I, take, I take these 
these 10 $100 bills, and I consume them all for myself, I have not set apart what's holy to God. Or I take a 10, I get $900 with the blessing of God. That's a pretty good deal to me. And I get to give my best back to God. Here's what tithing teaches us, two subpoints, real quick. Tithing teaches me to put God first. I'm gonna encourage you when you plan, when you budget, when you do, some of you, this is gonna be the first time you're gonna do The first time you get your paycheck, you get your paycheck, I want to challenge you. Take 10% off the top and set it apart for God. What? I can barely make my bills now. I'm telling you, I don't know how God's economy works. I Listen, we need God's economy over this stinking nation, don't we? I mean, seriously, we would not be... Well, I don't even know trillion dollars. I can't even say it. It's so big. We wouldn't be that far in debt. We would have that surplus in the bank because why? God's economy, it doesn't make sense. Young people, I'm telling you, do it now. Don't wait till you're 20 and 30 years old. Start now. When you're married, start now. Tell them, hey, we're going to set aside 10% right off the top. This is what we're dedicating to God. And I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to make it happen, but we're going to return it back to God. And so what you do is you sit down and you take your, you take your 10% and you set it over here and say, okay, God, I have $900. I, I often said this, do your magic because it's going to take a miracle. And I watch God every single time do a miracle. Tithing teaches me to put God first. Second thing tithing teaches me, tithing increases my faith in God. It says, I don't know how you're going to do it, but God, you've always been faithful, and I'm just going to trust you. I didn't start practicing or doing, money had control of my life until I was about 18 years old. Say, well, that's not really old. That's when I started really making money, okay? I never forget the journey that God took me on and how he challenged me in giving and tithing and above and beyond that if there's more to give. It was a struggle. It wasn't easy. It took faith. It took a wrestling. I negotiated with God. Hey, God, how about this? Every other check, I'll give 10%. Or every other check, I'll do 5%. I, I did try to always wage, you know, bring it down a little bit. 10%, man. Give my rate, I give my waitress, you know, at least 12%. I'm joking, I give more than that, guys. That was back then. Back then. We believe so much in the principle of giving here at Crossview. If you've been here long enough, you know this, and I'll I'll explain to everybody else. We take for every dollar that comes in, we take 10% and we set it aside for missions. Every dollar you give, every dollar you contribute to cross you, 10% of that goes. Now, that doesn't mean that's your 10%. Okay? Can't double dip here. But we've done that for, oh, I don't even know, probably, I've been here 17, probably 15 years, 16 years, something like that. Very, very early on, we started doing that. And we have watched God prosper the church. We've watched God help us build things debt-free, go debt-free. We've watched God help provide uh, the things that we've needed at the church and just do amazing things. And I believe, we believe so much in the principle of tithing that we do it as a church body, as a church community, that we encourage you to do it. And here's what we do. We have something in your programs. You were given these things here, this 90-day tithing challenge. Years ago, I started this. 
um, because I, I knew how hard it was to take that first step, to step out of your comfort zone and to say, you know what, I'm barely making it on 100%, but God, I believe you can do more with 90% than I can with 100%, so I'm going to trust you with the 90% that you've given me, that we created this 90-day tithe challenge. And what we're asking you to do is to, for the next 90 days, if you feel led by the Holy Spirit to do so, that for the next 90 days, you dedicate, set aside 10%, return it back to the local church, to the storehouse, to Crossview. And over the next 90 days, if you don't see God's faithfulness, now let me tell you something, that doesn't mean in 90 days you're going to be debt-free, because you've got yourself in that mess, you've got to figure out how to get yourself out, God will help you, okay? But that doesn't mean that you get to go buy new stuff because you're tithing all of a sudden. What we're saying is that God will provide all your needs. He will take care of you. And you will see more of an increase at the end of that. And you say, how do you know? Because God does. We've done this for years. We've never had to pay somebody back. No one's ever come and asked for the money back. And people who have done this have said, my life has been increased so much financially because I trust God with my resources. I trust God with my money. Watch what God can do. God can do more with 90 than you can with 100. God can do more with 90% than you can with 100. I'm going to say it again. God can and will do more with 90% that you get to keep than the 100% and that 10% that's wholly dedicated to him that you're using for yourself. Which leads me to my second thought. First thing is, we're going to tithe. The second thing we're going to do, we're going to give more and more and more. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to give more and more and more. Tithing is the starting point. 10% is the beginning. 10% is the beginning. 10% is just the start. God wants us to give more and more and more. Whatever that looks like. How great would it be for you to sit at a restaurant and a waitress walk up, walks up to you and has kids at home, she's pregnant. How great would it be for you to quietly, since you've been giving more, you're honoring God with your 10%, God's given you more, and he says, you know what, I want you to leave a $100 tip. What? The bill's $12. I want you to leave it in cash, and I want you to leave it secretly. Make sure she gets it. And I want you just to know that because I blessed, because you honored me, and you returned to me, and I blessed you, you're going to bless others. Give more and more and more and more. How great would it be that you hear about a need in your community, that you hear about a, a single mom who needs something done for her, and because you've been blessed with more, and because you've been given more, you can go return and give back more. Because why? Not because you're extremely wealthy and you want to do it privately. You do it humbly. You do it quietly. You do it secretly. But you get to do it because God's given you more, and now you pass it on. I'm telling you, every time it's worked in my life, if I have felt like God told me to do something, I honored him, and I, I said, all right, I'm going to do it. Just because you said, God, I'm going to do it. He always does so much more. Here's the thing. To whom much is given, much is required. If you don't have much, 
Start honoring God with the, the little you have and watch him give you more and then you do more with it. But see, if he can't depend on you to distribute the fries well, he's not going to give you fries. Not going to provide for your fries. But when he gives you a lot of fries and you feel led and called, someone in need, there's a broken heart, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a ministry that needs to be seated into. We're so honored to have Lydia House over here with us today. Give him a round of applause. Remember, we, we collected items for them through January and February, and they graced us to come today. We're so proud of them. We want to be, as a church and as a body, seeding into ministries that are making a difference in the lives of anyone, anywhere. Why? Because we've been given much. We want to release much. We want to give more and more and more. Here's what 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says this. He says, but just as you excel in everything, I like this. See that you also excel in the grace of giving. You may start with 10%. God blesses you with more and you say, I got more. All of a sudden you hear this car go by your house. I mean, it sounds like the muffler's about to fall out from underneath it. It's not the bass thumping. It's your neighbor and you go out and you say, what's going on? I don't know, my muffler is really bad. Just really can't afford to do it. And you say, oh yeah? Can I borrow your keys for a second? You drive it over and you get it fixed. You bring it back and you throw the keys at him and say, hey, you're set. Thank you. Now you won't get a ticket. Right? This is the part of the grace of giving. To give more and more and more. Be proactive. Intentionally give more and more. Father God, help us today. Help us today to be good stewards of what you blessed us with. God, may you take and multiply all that we have sacrificed and done and return it back to you. God, all of us in here struggle with being held hostage to money. The number one competitor of our hearts is money. But Lord, today, may we get a, an adjustment. May we find freedom today in knowing that, God, the money that you have blessed us with means that we return back to you what is yours and that, God, you bless us with more so we can bless others around us. Speak to our hearts in the next few moments of time. God, allow your spirit to challenge us the gift of giving, the grace of giving. When I walk through deep waters, I know that you will be with me. When I'm standing in the fire, I will not be overcome.
so interesting, like whenever I, I think about like our services I, and I get in these times, I never really know kind of where God is, the Holy Spirit's kind of directing. But here's the, the, those words, those words are so true. Some of you today, when it comes to money, you have a fear, maybe you grew up in poverty, maybe you grew up without having, and so you have a fear of letting go or giving because, well, I need to gain more, and because I need to gain more, I can't give, because I give it away, it doesn't make sense. But I mean, hear those words. He's not gonna call you to something he's not gonna meet you at. If God said, return 10% back to me, I'm telling you, he's gonna meet you at that need. Whatever you have, he's gonna be there. He's gonna take care of you. You don't have to fear. You don't have to fear what the world does. When the economies of the world, I'm here to tell you, when the economies of the world falter and fail, you wanna watch the people that prosper and thrive, it's the people who have put God first. It's the people who have trusted God. It's those who have found contentment in their souls with what they have and they need no more. So Father, would you search us today? Where are we held hostage to money? Where have we fallen for the lies that it says? It promises so much, yet God leaves us so empty. So Lord, I pray, search each and every person's heart in this today. The areas where they're held hostage to money, God, may you speak to them, may you challenge them. God, some of them for the first time are gonna tithe. Some of them for the first time are gonna set aside 10% and return it. And they're gonna say, God, I want to give you the 10% back because I want my 90% to be blessed by you. So I trust you that you can do more with 90 than I can with 100. So I return back to you. 90 days, I step up to the 90 day challenge because I believe that God, you are the ultimate provider and I will trust no one. I won't trust my job. I won't trust my, uh, my, my bank account. I won't trust my, my, uh, my country. I won't trust, I will trust you, God. You are my provider. Head bowed, eyes closed. You're here today and your life is struggling. Today, you're here today and you feel alone. You feel like God is not even there. Maybe he's not even hearing you. I'm here to tell you, you are not alone. He is here. He sees you. He knows your struggles. He knows your fears. He knows what you're held hostage by. And right here in the next moments of time, maybe you need to release that to God. And as we sing this song, as we continue to sing this song, let it speak to your hearts and may it encourage you that you are not alone and you don't have to fear for Christ is always with you. In the midst of deep sorrow, I see your light is breaking through. The dark of night will not overtake me. I am pressing in.
You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkeokuk.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.